welcome everybody. Um, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10 once again. Um, if you don't know who I am, if you're joining us online, um, my name is Joel Repick. I'm lead pastor here at the Gospel Tab. And we do welcome those, it's already been said, but we welcome those of you who are joining us online, uh, whether you're watching from home or a watch party. We're glad that you're with us today. So we're going to continue on in Matthew 10. We were in this passage last week. And before that, we were in Acts 17, looking at these very practical passages to understand some of what it means to be with Jesus on mission, particularly what it means to use our mouths in our relationships, um, if possible, to tell people about the good news of the kingdom, to tell people about Jesus. And there's so much practical stuff in the scriptures about this, and so we're spending a few weeks on this because I keep saying um, the days of you know just being able to bring someone to a pastor or to a staff member at a church and have them do it, have them tell someone about Jesus, those days um, honestly passed before the pandemic, but it's even more highlighted now. Um, we are an empowered people. God has given us his spirit and so we all can follow him on mission together. No matter your personality, uh, no matter how God has wired you, he can use what you are wherever he has placed you to be on mission with him. And that's the starting point, point of mission is really just joining Jesus and what he's already doing in the place where he's already put you. Um, so I'm excited to be talking about this. Just two quick announcements before we read the passage together. Um, uh, it's already been said in some ways, but there's four ways to worship with us today and at least in the near future, in recent, I mean, in upcoming weeks. Um, you can join us on Facebook or YouTube. Um, you know, let people know about the YouTube option. It's a great option for people who don't have social media and they can also bring it up uh, easier on a television if they need to um, through the YouTube app. Um, you can uh, join a watch party this morning. There are a number of watch parties meeting in different locations. If you need information about that, let us know. We'd be happy to connect you. And then, of course, our 10 o'clock service here, 1130 service right after this at the Franklin Avenue campus, which now is meeting on the bottom level of St. Titus School on Franklin Avenue in Aliquippa. So we'd love for you to join us for any of those. And we want you to know, an email went out, but tonight uh, we are having an upper room prayer gathering here at the Crestmont campus. Um, we'll meet here in the sanctuary. Um, so these are always special times of worship and prayer. So we'd love it if you came out for that tonight at six o'clock. Okay, we're going to read this scripture passage together, Matthew 10. Just to remind us of the context, Jesus has gathered together um, his 12 closest disciples um, and he is sending them out to do the things that they have watched him do so far. So he's sending them out to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, uh, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. He's giving them his authority to do these things. And I love this passage because we really get a little glimpse into how Jesus trained and developed his own disciples. Um, he's gathering them together, giving them some basic instructions, telling them to go out and do it themselves, and then they're going to come back and tell them how it went. And still, I think this is how we grow in mission and discipleship. Um, you know, we watch someone do it, and then we try it, and then we debrief it with them. And I want to encourage you, if you really want to grow, and you see, you know, that someone has some experience in doing something in the kingdom of God, you know, 
leading a Bible study or telling a neighbor about Jesus or uh, serving in a certain way, and you think, oh, I could never do that, um, I want to encourage you, don't, don't let that sink you into a place of like insecurity or comparison. I just encourage you to spend time around that person. Um, I've grown so much by just walking up to people and saying, hey, can I be with you while you do this thing? Can I watch you while you do it? Um, and this goes to prayer ministry too. Um, I remember when we first started praying for people who were experiencing uh, demonic oppression, I felt like I didn't know at all. Um, what to do or how to go about that. And uh, there was someone who I knew was gifted in that area. They didn't attend our church. They attended another church, but I had some interaction with them. And I knew they were gifted in this area. And so I just asked them, hey, can I be with you when you pray for people? Um, Not even really to participate, but just to watch. Can I watch you do it? And then I'll try to do it. And I'll grow, you know, in that way. And so just by taking the posture of, you know, a learner, and being willing to learn from other people rather than just like compare or feel insecure in that space, um, you know, we can grow a lot. So uh, Jesus here is training his disciples and he's, he lists out these very specific instructions that I think are as relevant today as they were back then and really rings true in our experience as we've been um, following Jesus as a family on mission. So I've really enjoyed it the last few weeks when we've read these passages together. So I realize you may be on your device or in your Bible reading from a different version. This is the New International Version, but if we could read it together from the screen, that would be great. Uh, We're going to begin where we did last week, but we're going to read further through the chapter. So let's read together. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for a worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Okay, Um, we're going to move on further in Jesus' strategy for following him on mission. But as we do, let's just review a little bit about what we talked from this passage last week. Last week, we said that Jesus gives the disciples identified territory. There's a number of reasons for this in Matthew 10. The most practical is is that he just doesn't want them to go too far, right? He's training them and he wants them to come back. Um, These 12 disciples will really... 
you know, travel the globe eventually. Uh, Thomas, for instance, is one of these disciples, and church history tells us that Thomas ended up in India eventually after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Um, Thomas ended up as far as India, and he was eventually martyred there. Um, so eventually these disciples are going to go to you know, the ends of the earth, but right now Jesus just wants them to stay close. And we said there's a principle in this that wherever Jesus is calling us to mission, it's to really start in the place where he has given us territory and relationship. And so we're going to say more about that in just a minute today, dive deeper into that. We said that Jesus gives his disciples delegated authority. The authority isn't their own. It's authority that comes from him, but they carry his authority as they go on the mission. And if we really appreciated and understood this authority, uh, we would understand and know the confidence that we can have as we follow Jesus on mission. Because what Jesus is telling his disciples is that there is no demon that they're going to face in opposition, no bondage in someone's life, no sickness in their body, nothing that sin and Satan has accomplished in the lives of people that they are not going to have authority to deal with. You know, as they encounter these things, they carry with them the authority of Jesus to minister the kingdom of God to these broken situations. And then we said that Jesus um, commands his disciples as they go to embrace this intentional poverty or intentional weakness. Um, I said last week that uh, in the relationships with unbelievers that I have, um, when I'm trying to, you know, form a relationship with them, and maybe we're talking about spiritual things, talking about Jesus, I'm always asking the question, how can I be weak in this relationship? Um, I think that's an application of some of what Jesus says. How can I create space in weakness for God to work? And that might feel scary, but it's also very liberating because it means that we don't have to be the whole package. It doesn't mean that we have to have everything. As a matter of fact, we don't have to have anything except for the authority that Jesus gave us, and that's enough to be on mission with him. And that's very freeing to recognize that it's about his adequacy, not ours. Not do we have all the right words, but what God is doing in this person's life. Not do we have all the things we need for mission, but what is God doing? What is God providing? We want to lean on him and not our own resources. So we embrace intentional poverty as we follow Jesus on mission. Today, as Jesus goes on to give the instructions, I want to pull out three more things for you. First of all, to go where the grace is, then to find a person of peace, and lastly, to move on if necessary, which is also a very liberating thing as we follow Jesus on mission. So first of all, to go where the grace is. Jesus tells the disciples to go around and go from town to town, go from place to place. I said last week, sometimes God gives specific revelation about where to go. And when we have specific revelation, when we have specific leading from God, we should obey specifically. But in my experience, many times the revelation or the direction that God is giving is not specific. It's kind of general. And in that case, we just kind of go to, from place to place in our lives. I, I'm not sure the disciples every night are having a dream about which town to go to next. If they were and God were giving specific instruction, that's great. And they should have obeyed that. There's examples of that in the scriptures. But I kind of imagine that for the most part, they're just going to the next place, you know, to the place down the street, and I think this is what we do in our lives. Um, we have our schedules, and we just go to the next place. Here's where I think we get on mission in going to the places that we go in our schedule. We learn to recognize that God is already working in these spaces. Um, just the spaces of the daily schedules of our lives, that God is already at work 
in the people that are gathered there, in the space that exists there. And we are just following the work of God in this place. Um, I really think so much of following God on mission is just learning to be aware of his presence in the places where he calls us um, or the places where we go throughout our day, just asking where God might be present, where he might be working. And for me and Chelsea, so much of mission for us has not looked like participating in a program, even though we have participated in outreaches and mission trips and you know, programs designed to reach people. We have done all of those things. Many of you have too. But so much of mission has just looked like identifying where God might already be at work in a certain space. Let me give you an, an example. Um, for a while at our kids' school, and, and because a lot of our schedule, you know, surrounds our kids' schedule, <laughs> um, um, that is a lot of the places where we end up experiencing, you know, God being at work. So for a while, the school that our kids attend was dismissing in such a way that parents would gather in a room and they would, you know, dismiss the kids. And if you were picking your kid up from the school, um, that's where you would wait, you know. So there were always like 15 minutes where a bunch of parents were gathering together, right, and waiting for their kids to be dismissed. Um, now our school dismisses differently, so this opportunity doesn't exist anymore like it once did. But at the time, this was a really you know, daily part of our rhythm, picking up our kids in this room with these other parents. Well, simple question to ask is, God, what are you doing here? You know, um, What are you doing in the lives of the people here? How is your presence showing up here? And learning to be attentive to that is how we follow Jesus' in mission. Um, this is what Jesus is telling the disciples to do, to go from town to town. The assumption is that God's already at work in this place and to notice where he's working and to join him in that work. This is true for grocery stores. It's been very true for the places where our kids have played sports. Um, whether it's been soccer or wrestling, it has provided opportunity. You're there with other people to ask the question, what is God doing here? You know, What is he doing in the lives of people? How can I hear him showing up in the conversations that I'm having with other parents? We've had opportunity to pray with parents at, at those kinds of events. And it's amazing. I think sometimes we underestimate the presence of God on our own lives too. Just stepping in some of those spaces um, you know, as we follow Jesus, sometimes people are inexplicably drawn to us. You know, we don't even expect it, but they sense something about us. What they are sensing is the presence of God at work in our lives. They may not have words for that, um, but they end up wanting to build a relationship or growing with us. So, so wherever you go from day to day, you might not be going from town to town, but you might be going from work to soccer practice, to, you know, whatever activity you have in the evening. These are the places where God is already at work and paying attention to where he's present in those places um, is how we begin to follow him. And then in those places, we identify or we pay attention to what we would call a person of peace. Um, notice Jesus's language in Matthew chapter 10. He says, that they should look for a place to stay. Remember, there is, there is no you know, Marriott Hotel or you know, Holiday Inn. Um, it, it would have been custom in the ancient, the custom would have been in the ancient world uh, to find hospitality, to find a home to stay in if you were traveling. And so Jesus uh, tells them that they should go to these places and that they should find hospitality, uh, which would have been common anyway. But 
when he tells them to find a person or a home that is worthy, what he's saying to his disciples is that he doesn't want them shopping just for the best home, you know? He doesn't want them just shopping for comfort, you know, as they show up in these towns. Um, He wants them to notice the people who are open, who might be willing to receive the kingdom of God, Um, the people whose God has already been at work in their hearts. And he's telling them to not pay so much attention to the quality of the accommodations, right, as to the stirring that might already be happening in someone's heart um, and to go to that place. Um, to pay attention to where there might be openness. This is what I look for in the environments that I step into. Um, I look for people who are just open to relationship. Maybe they end up talking to me. There were some parents. There were some parents for that year in school when I was picking up the kids in that room who never said anything to me. You know, they didn't seem interested. They walked in, walked out, didn't seem interested in talking at all. But there were some um, who ended up talking to me about different things. I begin to ask the question when that happens, is this a person who God might be opening up their heart to do something, you know? Um, As a matter of fact, one of the dads there ended up getting coffee with me a couple of times um, because he was open to relationship. He wanted to tell me his story, you know? He wanted to come in closer in relationships. So I'm looking for people who, first of all, just might be open to relationship. Um, But in particular, I'm also looking for people who might be open to talking about spiritual things, Um, who might be open to talking about prayer, about Jesus, who might be open to me talking to them about that part of my life in a really natural way. I said a few weeks ago that I talk about what God is doing in my life um, pretty much the same way to a person, no matter if I know they're a believer or not, you know? So if, God, if Chelsea and I were praying for something and God answered that prayer, I'm going to share that with that dad over coffee because that's what's going on in our lives. <laughs> He's sharing what's going on in his life. And sometimes you can begin to tell that someone is open to talking more about these things. And we would call that a person of peace. Now, when we talk about people of peace, we will often talk about Um, how some of these relationships are more like sprints and some are more like marathons. Um, So the sprint relationships are the ones that are really, really quick and you might not have ongoing connection. You might not have ongoing ways to connect with this person. The marathon ones are the relationships that build for a long time um, even if the person isn't ready to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, even if the person isn't ready um, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So let me just share with you a few quick stories. First of all, Uh, a recent sprint story that happened for me. Um, I was in McKeesport. If you've been hearing me talk the last few weeks, you know I've I've been spending some time there because we might be planning a church there. And uh, I was there with a couple people from the Gospel Tab, actually, and we were in a neighborhood that we're largely unfamiliar with. Um, I feel like God might be identifying territory for us, right? He's leading us to this neighborhood. There's kind of a whole story behind that. Um... And uh, we're walking around understanding, you know, that we have authority and we're going with nothing. You know, we're just, I'm not showing up with a program or all the answers or anything. We're just kind of walking around the neighborhood. And we stop at a place in this neighborhood just to pray some. And often when we're out in a community or out in a public place to pray, um, we're praying with our eyes open because we're assuming 
that God is at work in this place, you know, and we want to see what he's doing, you know, so we've kind of grown accustomed to praying with our eyes open, um, which can feel different if you're from a church background, um, but for us, it's been really helpful, and faith building, because it makes us think, okay, God is going to do something, we want to see what he's doing, you know, as we pray. So we're standing in the neighborhood with our eyes open praying, and uh, one of the guys that I was with um, wanders off while we're praying and goes around an apartment building to the back. I have no idea what he's doing. Um, and there was a minute I kind of wanted to be like, hey, uh, come over here. We're praying here. <laughs> like, stay with me and pray, you know? But I just felt like the Lord the God just said to me, like, let him go, you know? <laughs> like, um, I felt like, you know, maybe he was following Jesus somehow. So he goes around the corner. He's gone for a little while. Me and my friend finished praying. There were three of us. We finished praying. And he comes back around the corner and he's holding a bottle of water, a cold bottle of water. We didn't bring any water with us. And just like in Jesus' um, uh, instructions when he tells them to look and receive hospitality as an indicator that someone might be open to relationship, um, I've learned this as well, that if someone is willing to share something with me, if someone is willing to show me hospitality, give me some food, share a bottle of water, it probably means that this person is open, right? That God is forming some kind of connection. So my friend comes back around with a bottle of water, and I said, hey, where'd you get that bottle of water? And he said, there's a picnic around the corner. Um, I later found out, sure enough, in prayer, we were praying together, and he just felt something subtly, you know, say, hey, go around the corner. So that's why he left and went around the corner. And he found this picnic there, and uh, someone had handed him, you know, this bottle of water. And so I said, oh, I think those are our, our that's our open door. Those are our people of peace. They're showing us hospitality, right? So we went around the corner. And long story short, sure enough, this whole family is there. We had the opportunity to listen to them for a while, um, kind of the matriarch of the family had some knee issues. We ended up praying for her knees. She had an encounter with the Lord and was uh, um, pain-free by the time that we left. We got to share with them about Jesus. Now, I may see that family again. Um, it was a great interaction, and this is a neighborhood that we're starting to hang out in. But I've been back to that neighborhood a number of times and haven't seen any of those people since. It might just be a sprint, you know? That might just be and a connection that God created, and maybe I'm not supposed to be involved in their lives for years and years, but I want to be open to what it is that God, you know, might be doing in their life. Um, one time, uh, it can be as simple as this. One time I was in a grocery store. We shop at Aldi in Aliquippa for the most part, um, and now this story is less likely because Aldi started doing pickup and it's hard to start going back into the store after you're picking up your groceries. But this was before Aldi pickup, and so um, I do a lot of our grocery shopping. So I would, you know, go into the store, and I just noticed very subtly that there was one cashier that was interested in talking to me. Um, when I would check out, um, I could just tell he was a little bit more open to talking to me. So what that turned into for me, I, I'm asking the question, God, what are you doing in Aldi today, Right? And what that turned into for me was um, uh, getting in li his line every time I checked out, even if it was the longer line, you know, just so that I could keep making this connection. And much of our connection wasn't talking about Jesus. I mean, how much time do you have in a checkout line? It's just a few minutes. Um, but I would say to him when he would share something out of his life, he eventually mentioned that 
uh, uh, he had a baby on the way, you know, I would just say, hey, I'll be praying for you. Just say these little things, you know. One day I'm walking into the grocery store and I can see him sitting at his usual spot, checking people out through the window. And um, I, I can tell that he saw me and he gets up and he runs away as I'm walking into the store, like runs into the back and I'm thinking, oh no, because I'm really extroverted. I can be a little overbearing for some people. So I was like, I was like maybe, maybe I you know, intimidated him. Um, and so he runs away, but by the time I got back in the store, he had come back, and uh, he had a little slip of paper, and on the slip of paper was his phone number. Um, these are the small things. These, this is a person of peace. They're at least open to relationship. I don't, it's still at this point, I don't know how open he is to talking about Jesus, you know, but he's open to relationship, right? He was like, hey, call me. I want to hang out sometime. I could tell he actually felt a little surprised he felt this way about me because I'm just a customer, you know, at Aldi. Um, but God is doing something, right? Like grace is moving, right? Now, here's the end of that story. I called him a number of times. He never responded back. And eventually, he stopped working at Aldi. I have no idea where he's at. And this is the part where we just surrender that God is working to whatever level he wants to involve us. I don't have to stress about that. I don't need to, um, you know, try to make something happen. It's like, look, for as long as, for, in the disciples' context, for as long as you can stay at that person's house, stay at that person's house, right? For as long as you can be in relationship with this person in your life, be in relationship with that person, but it might not last forever. And if it doesn't last forever, that's okay. But sometimes the relationships last a long time. Um, I'm involved in a marathon relationship right now of a guy who actually, when he was a kid, t attended one of Aliquippa Impact's programs. Uh, had no contact with him for over 10 years. And then he reached out to me um, and said that he wanted to get together. The first time we get together, um, he's just opening up some of the deep things you know, of his life to me over a meal. Um, by the way, choosing weakness in a relationship, you know one of the easiest ways to do that is to eat with someone. Um, because eating together is such an equalizing thing. Everyone has to eat. Everyone has the same needs. It doesn't matter your title or position. The table is an equalizing place. So if I can eat with people, I'm always going to try to eat with people, you know? Um, and so we're sitting over this meal, and he ends up saying this, this stuff to me. Now, this guy is very skeptical about Jesus, about the gospel, um, as a matter of fact, he is well aware that of some of the historical injustices um, that sometimes the church, particularly the European church, has participated in um, over the years. And this has made him skeptical. He's African-American. Um, and so he's actually uh, experimenting with different religions, ancestral religions. I see this guy as spiritually searching. And this is one thing I want to say about people of peace. They might not have the right language. Um, they might be skeptical of what we believe. But if I see someone spiritually searching, um, even if it's searching in places where I would disagree, um, I'm assuming that God is at work in this person, <laughs> um, that God is softening their heart, that God is drawing them. Because this person is searching. This person is asking these questions. And I want to be in relationship with this person as they're on this journey. So I've done a lot of listening um, over the last two years now, um, every few months we hang out and something has started to happen. Uh, I think, I do think I've mentioned this story before, 
But pretty much every, not pretty much, like every single time we hang out, at some point in the conversation, he breaks down crying. Um, finally, one day we're in a restaurant again, and it happens again, and he's embarrassed because we're in a public place. And he's crying, and I'm kind of giving him his moment across the table, and I didn't say anything profound. Um, this is just God's presence doing this. Um, and I just said to him, I said, hey, uh, this happens every time we're hanging out together. And I know you struggle, you know, with the history of the church and the oppression that the church has sometimes participated in. And by the way, he's right. He's not making that up. There's some ugly portions of church history. Um, but I said, I just want to suggest to you that uh, the reason you cry every time we're together is because what you're experiencing is the love of my God, you know? And, um, and I know you struggle with him some, but something is happening here that's deeper than your intellect. As you're searching, you are getting closer and closer to him. The last time we hung out, I finally, at, you know, two years into this relationship, um, got to tell him what I believed about Jesus uh, with a friend. And at the end, he said to me, you know, I think I believe all that. Um, I'm not ready yet, but I think I believe all that, you know? And we were just texting this last week. We're finding another time to hang out. So sometimes these relationships, you know, take a long time. And sometimes it's a mix of sprint and marathon. So I had an experience just yesterday. I was sharing the testimony with some friends yesterday. Um, yesterday, I was showing a friend of mine, another pastor in our district around Aliquippa, and we're walking into the Furman's house down on uh, J Jake and Caroline Furman's house down on Franklin Avenue because um, we're going to hang out with them for a minute. And as, I, as I'm walking in, this car uh, whips around the corner and pulls up on us. And this guy gets out and says, hey, can we hang out? I need a mentor. Can we? I mean, it was just like, you know, this young guy, he's like, He's like, I, I need a mentor. Can we hang out? Can we, you know? Well, I know this guy um, because when Chelsea and I first came to Aliquippa 16 years ago, he was one of the first people that we built relationships with. He was a teenager then. Um, I haven't had a conversation with him in about a year. I haven't had a meaningful conversation with him um, about anything deep in a number of years. I don't even know how many years. Um, but here's what I remember about him. Over 10 years ago, I remember being in John and Galfua's living room. We all lived down on Franklin Avenue at the time. And I remember praying for this kid and praying for his, his uh, family. And I actually remember one of our friends from college who no longer lives here in Aliquippa. I remember one night when she was moved to tears for this family and just saying, God, get a story out of this family. Would you redeem this family? Would you redeem, you know, these kids? Um, that was well over 10 years ago, you know, that we've been involved in praying. And now he's whipping his car, you know, pulling his car up off him, being like, can we hang out, you know? Well, when the Spirit of God is working like that, sometimes you just got to go with it, you know? So I was like, what are you doing in like an hour and a half, like for lunch? And he's like, sure, let's hang out. So um, I ran into Ty. Some of you know Ty. Um, and so Ty and I end up hanging out with this other guy. And as soon as this guy gets in the car with me and Ty yesterday, um, he's talking a mile a minute, and he's just confessing some really, really deep, dark things. Um, 
And he's saying, I'm just involved in stuff I'm ashamed about. It's destroying me. It's destroying other people. And I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this. We find the place to go talk. It is serious. In some ways, his life is in danger. You can feel the enemy you know, nipping at his heels and the spirit of death coming after him. And so we find the place to hang out. And um, uh, um, we end up like mostly listening because that's really what you do in these conversations. We spend most of the time just listening to him. And as he's talking, man, it's like, I don't always feel this way, but I felt it yesterday. Man, it was just like you could feel the demons harassing him, you know? Um, you could just feel the, you know, the paranoia, the fear, you know, um, just how stuck he is, you know, in this place. Um, and it, this was interesting. He said to me, and it just goes to show like what gospel presence does in someone's life. He said, he said, Joel, I thought about you yesterday. He said, because I know that I need God to rescue me from this. I do have questions about God, but I know I need God to rescue me from this. And he said, a lot of times when I go, he said, some of the church people that I know, he's calling them church people. He said, some of the church people that I know, he said, when I hear them talk about God, um, he said, it just sounds to me like tisk, tisk, tisk. This is what he says to me. He said, that's all I hear from them, you know? And he said, I know what I'm doing is wrong. I know this, I'm, my problem is I'm stuck. Like, you know, I don't know how to get out of this. And he said, I thought of you and I thought to myself, I want Joel's God. Um, Joel has the God that I need and I want him, you know? And so he found us, you know, yesterday to talk about this. But it was a challenging to talk to him because he's moving the mile a minute, he's afraid, scared, his mind is racing, you can tell all of this. He's been around a lot of hard things. And um, so eventually in the midst of that, I just felt like God wanted to minister his love to him. So I said to this kid, I said, hey, uh, can I hug you? And he said, sure. So I hug him, and uh, he relaxes. Um, I have my arms around him. I'm like clasping like this. He relaxes. And then uh, something we've experienced over the years, um, and it often means that God is moving in compassion on this person's behalf, um, something happened to Ty. Ty has his hands on us, and Ty later told me that it just felt like this weight came on his shoulders and like crumpled him like to the ground. So Ty crumples to the ground. Um, and he begins to weep uncontrollably there, um, also unlike Ty. Um, begins to like weep uncontrollably there. I'm hugging this kid. This kid is crying. We're totally having an encounter with the love of God, you know, like in this moment. And I remembered those tears in John and Galfua's living room all those years ago. It was that same crying. It was the compassion of God. And I just said to this kid, I said, I said listen, uh, you know, you hear Ty weeping like this. I said, what's happening is God is giving you a soundtrack of what his love sounds like, you know, for you as I'm hugging you um, so that you know that he loves you and he does want to rescue, from the, rescue you from this. Um, but I call that kind of experience, he's so close to coming to Christ, by the way, pray for him if you think about it, but I call that kind of experience like a mix of marathon and sprint, you know what I mean? Because I've known this guy for so long, but there's been years break where I haven't had anything to do uh, with him or with his life, and the reason I bring this up is it's okay to follow the cadence of the Holy Spirit in this person's life. Um, sometimes I feel like we, we turn these things into high-pressure situations, and we feel like we have to keep calling and keep following up and keep, um, and sometimes it's okay to let a person walk away. 
It's okay to let a person run away. And sometimes God will circle that person back to you. Sometimes God will use someone else. And it's okay how everyone wants to do it. That, the harvest belongs to him, right? So we let God write the story. Which brings me to my last point this morning. That it's okay to move on if necessary. Jesus says, if no one in the town receives you, if no one's willing to receive you, shake the dust off your feet, which is a you know, cultural way of saying move on. You know? um, and he says, Jesus gives them some really strong language about letting judgment belong to God. So he references these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, in ancient times that were the recipients of terrible judgment from God. Um, one reason Jesus is using this strong language is because he's about to prepare the disciples further on in the passage for the persecution that they're going to experience. So it's not, in their case, it's not just that, that people aren't going to receive them. It's that they are going to get persecution as a response. So Jesus is preparing them to navigate this. And as he's preparing them to navigate this, he's saying to them, do not worry about how people respond to you. Look for the grace. Stay at the house as long as you can. Be involved in their life as long as they want you to be involved. But the results belong to me. The results belong to God. And he's saying, even where people outright reject you, even where they persecute you. And by the way, that's probably something that probably none of us in this room have really experienced, really. Not like the disciples are going to experience it. Um, but Jesus is saying, trust the outcome with God. God is the perfect judge. God is the one who will figure this all out in the end. And so let him, let him bear the burden of the outcome of this story, you know, in someone else's life. To me, that's very freeing. It's very freeing to know that I've been sent with the authority of God. I've been sent with everything I need. And yet, even then, the results don't belong to me. That I don't have to make anything happen that I can trust God with this. And if a relationship closes, if someone doesn't respond to a phone call, if someone doesn't want me involved, if someone just says to me, get away from me, I don't want to talk to you anymore, if any of that stuff happens, it is not ultimately a rejection of me, but it's something that will get worked out between that person and God. That's freeing for me because it means I can just let it go and I can trust that God is going to complete this story in this person's life. I think we get it wrong in sharing our faith with people. And sometimes it's hard because we really love the people that you know, we're sharing our faith with. But I think we get it wrong when we turn these situations into high pressure, controlling conversations where we're trying to get the person to do something that they don't want to do. I have found it to be much easier to let God write the story, which means they can be involved, which means I can be involved as long as God wants me to. I can step away, they can step away. This is what God is doing. It's not just what I'm doing, all right? Okay, um, I feel led to pray um, something specific over you guys as we end today. Um, I do feel like in my life, um, this is something, uh, this whole going where the grace is, finding a person in peace, moving on if necessary. Um, you can tell as I share these stories that um, these stories have been in my life. And in the kingdom of God, we can just give away what we have, you know? And so you might be sitting here, I felt this as I was preparing this morning, you might be sitting here watching online and be thinking like, I want to notice where the grace is. I want, you know, um, stories. Your stories will look different than mine, by the way. But, you know, I want stories. I want people of peace. And I want to tell you that 
All of that is much nearer to you than you might imagine. And here's why. Because God is working in the world. The biggest battle is just seeing it. The biggest battle is just perceiving it. But once we perceive it, we can join in. But God is definitely working in the world, and we're just joining with him. So if you want just more of that, whatever that looks like for you, um, I want to pray that over you. And then we're going to go ahead and close, all right? Steve, you're closing today, right? Okay. So God, I just impart that to the people sitting here today. Grace to go where the grace is. Um, Lord, the ability to perceive what you're doing in the world, in the supermarket, at school, at work, just the ability to see it, even in the smallest ways. Like sometimes you show up like a tornado and it feels like, you know, this big miraculous thing. But many times it's just the subtle, small movements of your spirit in these environments. Lord, I pray for eyes and ears in this room and for those watching online to see it to perceive what you're doing. And God, where there's hunger in this room for the kinds of things I'm talking about, a kind of hunger that says, oh, I, I want to participate in what God is doing in the environments that he has put me in. Um, God, I pray that you would meet that hunger. Um, Lord, that there would be the grace and the gift of joining with what your spirit is doing in these places. And God, we do pray for more people of peace. God, that Sometimes, like it happened to me yesterday, Lord, I'm always amazed at how your grace makes it work. Like this person just pulled up on me in their car. <laughs> like, God, whatever it takes, just make it obvious, Lord, where there are people of peace. Lord, I want to pray especially in the environments that we are familiar with. You know, the place that we've worked for a long time. The, um, you know, the family members that we see all the time. The neighborhood that we've lived in for a long time. God, would you give us fresh eyes to see what you're doing? You know, sometimes we just get used to things and we miss what you're doing. So God, give us fresh eyes to see what you're doing in those places. Lord, I just impart that to, the, to those gathered here and online today. Um, God, just this grace to go where your grace is moving. Um, we want to be with you in the work. In Jesus' name, amen.